Drink it in, man. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Drink it in, man. Get up, Stafford throws. It is end zone. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back, and it's Wednesday, and I got the one and only Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Same old, same old. Grifka, we called an audible right before our show today, recording. Um, News broke. The Lions have a new offensive coordinator. Um, It's barely been an hour or two since this happened. We're going to get into that for the Kool-Aid drinkers out there. But before we get to that, Grifko, in our news and notes, the season's over. You'd think there's really nothing going on with the Lions. We got a couple things we got to talk about here right off the get-go. Are you ready to chat about some of these rumblings that have been going around town? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of news actually coming out of Detroit, you know, little rumors and stuff. So, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this stuff. As a tip of the cap, uh, rumor and innuendo, as they say out there, but the first item of business, Grifka, is all this chatter, all this yak, all this talk, all this um, things coming out left, right, and center about would you want Antonio Brown on the Lions? Now, before you answer that, I mean, to me, it's funny how we're, we were second ranked as far as odds from someplace in Vegas. I don't know how they come up with those type of numbers. Then I start seeing these trade offers come out that, to me, I mean, you never really know what NFL guys are thinking. I mean, I'm seeing these first and third and Jalen Reeves and Mabin. I mean, I'm seeing, a, hey, what if we swap first and a second? Would you do it? Like, there just seems to be some r- crazy rumors uh, and, and other items coming out about this thing. I mean, Talk to me a little bit about your initial thoughts on this. Like, what would the value be? Would you want him here? Let's, let's just go through it. Um, my initial thoughts would be, uh, yeah, I would take him. I mean, the guy's talent. He would? And, yeah, I, I would take him. He, he's talent. Um, do I think uh, Do I think as he's gotten better in the league, he's become more of a, uh, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, Terrell Owens diva. I think he's went more than, I think he's went to that more, more of the spotlight. You know, people are like telling him, you know, you're great, you're awesome. And, you know, he's producing, so he's become that way. I think when he first got into the league, he was, uh, 
you know, coming out of Central Michigan, you know, just pretty much, you know, kind of fighting to, you know, make the team. And, you know, the, that team already had a few wide receivers on it. So he really had to fight and really had to, you know, kind of stay humble and show himself. So as he got better and he's become, you know, one of the top wide receivers, and like I, I think he's kind of got like this uh, diva-esque attitude. And I, like I said, I don't know if that's a good thing, but that guy's talented. I like him better than Odell Beckham, and I know how you feel about Odell Beckham. So, but um, I would, I would, I would take him. Yes. Okay. Well, I promise the Kool Aid drinkers out there, this won't turn into a twenty thirty minute fight between me and Grifka, but it may be a quick uh, couple round fight here because I'm like sort of shocked you'd say it one because as you said, Grifka's the guy. He doesn't want anybody that they love on ESPN. He doesn't want any uh, guys that talk noise. He doesn't want any uh, malcontents, as you would say. But you want Antonio Brown, who's going on 30. He makes like 20 million bucks per year. I mean, you keep saying he's talent. Like, I hate to bust you on you, Grifka, but it's going back to when I crack on you for you saying the sky is blue or it's hot out when the sun is out. We know this. We know this guy is and has been talented. But you got to break it down way more when it talks about bringing a guy like this into your locker room, what it does to your salary cap, like where he's at in his career. I mean, are you factoring any of that in or you just say, hey, he's good. He scores some touchdowns. Let's get him. Um, He'd be the best wide receiver on the team. (laughs) Another another obvious. We know this. (laughs) So what's the problem here? I guess I guess I don't see this. You'd be bringing in the guys just like he'd be the best wide receiver on the team. And I know your boy Kenny Boy was just like, "Oh, we don't need him. We're set." Uh, right. Really? I mean, really? I mean, you're you're using Andy Jones. I mean, you're you're looking to use Andy Jones and and, and Powell. I mean, those are because T.J. Jones ain't going to be back. And I know you're really losing sleep over that. Oh, and I know bad. it was at Ellington. Ellington. I know he said he wanted to come back, but I mean, pretty good. I mean, he's cheap. Yeah, he's cheap. But, <laughs> so, uh, so hold on. Let me jump in here. So this is where I'm coming from. Is like, do I think Antonio Brown is not – I think the next year or two, he's still definitely a top five type receiver. He makes plays all over the football field. He scores touchdowns. But when you start talking about bringing a player in, you got to think of what it's going to do to your cap, what it's going to do to other positions. So if you're wanting Antonio Brown, Grifka, because he's talented and makes plays – you're giving up if you're doing one of those deals. I said you're either dropping from eight to twenty some in the draft, or you're giving up your number eight pick just entirely, and the pick that we gave up for Golden Tate that we acquired to get a guy who's who's not like in the prime of his career. Now, does that mean that he can't have three, four more successful years? Could he come here with a burr under his saddle and make plays and sell jerseys and and have touchdown celebrations and get this place hype and and make a difference? Of course he could do all those things, but a number eight pick in the draft is a five-year contract for maybe, what, four million bucks a year, something like that. You're bringing in Antonio Brown at 20-plus million, even though it's not guaranteed. Like, that's a huge, you know, roll of the dice in regards to your cap, not so much the player. Like, the player is probably not going to fall on his face. Is Pittsburgh asking for a first-round pick? You're just automatically giving Antonio Brown a first-round pick? I don't know. I'm going on the uh, rumor innuendo, as I told you, the things that are out there. I mean, uh, even if we could get him for a second, I'm still like you wanting to talk through all the things we're talking about. Antonio Brown wants to go play in San Francisco really bad. You think, you think San Francisco is offering up their first round pick for him? 
I don't know. I don't know what his value is because Amari Cooper went for a one and he's balled out. You know, other guys that are good go for fourth rounders and, and they either ball out or burn out. You know, it's hard oh. to tell what his value is, especially when, yeah, he's leaving Pittsburgh, not because he can't produce, but because he basically quit on his team and, and wants, but he does seem motivated to want to go somewhere else and show it. But I mean, it have to be a special situation for him to be excited about coming here and wanting to do it. And, but get into the numbers, Griffin. I know you think, like, you make fun of me. Oh, he's cheap, and, and their only prospects they do something is what your tagline is. But, I mean, giving up that a top pick, either it's in the first or second round, to me is a huge deal. And, again, I want to both build it right, and I feel like right now, other than, you know, Lang and Wagner, we pretty much have pretty decent contracts across the board. And why was I so excited to get rid of Calvin? Because Calvin had broken down, he was on the backside of his career, and he made 25-ish million bucks a year, and there's never been a team that I know of that wins big, wins Super Bowls with that kind of dough to a, a receiver, no matter how good they are. I mean, you got to have playmakers, but you you got to still pay them in that, right nowadays, you probably got to pay a top receiver in that 15 to 18-ish you can't start getting in the 20 to 25s and build a team, especially when you've already paid a quarterback. You can't do it. Okay, but, I mean, he's still, you know, be the best wide receiver on the team. Still a great talent. I mean, I'm not saying I'm giving up a first-round oh. pick, but I'm not saying I'm giving up a first-round pick for the guy, but, I mean, he'd be the best wide receiver on the team. He would be able to stretch the field. I mean, he's he's, he's a great wide receiver. Right, and I just spent like five or ten minutes telling you the other things that have to be considered. Not he's a great receiver; he'll score a couple his touchdowns and improve the wide receiver core. Like, don't you see all the other things you got to factor yeah, in? Yeah, but you're... you're asking me as a fan. I mean, I are we playing GM or are we playing fan here? Like I've told you before, you can't be both. We're saying right now, if Grifka's kind of the GM, or you're trying to like get the Lions over the hump. Would you want Antonio Brown here? Does he make this team playoff Super Bowl good? That's the type of question. Not like if you're a fan, would you root for him if he's if he wears a, your jersey? Of course. I mean, I mean, as much as I'm not rooting for it, if he's here, I'll root for it and I'll hope. But I don't think that it's the best move, not only for the team but for the long haul and for you know winning Super Bowls like receivers don't make that money and don't do that especially at 30 some years old it just doesn't happen oh, okay I mean but still like you said if it's a guy that's going to get you over the hump I mean yeah sure then you bring okay, him well, in I'm, no I'm asking you. Below Mac, you know the Bears thought he'd get him over the hump got him to the playoffs got him 12 and 4 so yeah they they made a deal and struck it I mean same thing with Mari Cooper the Cowboys made a deal and we all know Jerry Jones in the past has, oh, you know, had done some noggin scratchers as well. But, you know, did it get him over the hump? That team was, what, 3-5 and five at one point in the year? I mean, got, okay. got him where they were at. Okay, well, let me pause you for a second because you just brought up two great examples that I need to both break down for you and talk through for a second. So are you comparing Cleo Mack and Antonio Brown? Are those similar players in your book, Grifka? No, what you question, what you asked was, if it's a guy that'll put you over the top and get you there. And, and Tony Brown is a guy that can do that. That's okay. what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying like Khalil Mack and Antonio Brown are, 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 are similar players. What I'm you asked if it's a guy that can get you over the top. And yes, Antonio Brown is one of those guys that can get you over the hump. More so than Kenny Galladay. More so than Marvin Jones. More so than 
Bruce Ellington and whatever other journeyman backup wide receiver they plan on using. Sorry, he instantaneously becomes the best wide receiver on the team, the biggest threat that teams are going to have to game plan for. Yes. Okay, here's a rarity, Grifka. I've already said it multiple times. Not only do I agree with you on that point, everyone else that knows anything about football agrees with you too. The point is, like, I guess my question to you was, does Grifka think that adding Antonio Brown to this team, knowing what pick you'd probably be giving up and the contract you're taking on, do you think that is a get-you-over-the-hump type of move for our Detroit Lions? You seem to say yes. I mean, the thing would definitely help. For his, does, let's go back to the question, Grifka. Does it get you over the hump, or if somebody call, the Steelers called you, you're Bob Quinn, are you saying, give me your sure, eighth pick? He, he's no, a good player. Give, the, give me the eighth pick? No. Am I giving them that third-round pick that we got for Philly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no problem. Well, yeah, but now you're just making fantasy land trades. Like, no one's going to well, get Antonio for a third and Jalen Reese well, maven you got to give up a top resource. Nobody's giving up a first-round pick for him either. And you think he's going to go out to San Francisco, and San Francisco is going to give up with their second pick or third pick, wherever they're picking in the draft? I mean, that's not happening. No, but I, I gave you the other option is like a swap. So, like, if San Francisco wants him and they're they're wanting that first-rounder, it would probably have to be a swap where you're moving down 20-some spots. But – you're not going to – the least I could see Antonio Brown going for is one or two first-rounders and maybe, like, a, a player in return. So, like, I could see maybe Marvin Jones to Pittsburgh and – Marvin Jones second, in the third-rounder? No, no. No, it'd have to be higher than third. It'd have to be Jones in, like, a second and maybe a, a future pick, too, that would probably get it done, in my opinion. I think, I think he goes for a first-round pick. You I give mean, Marvin Jones your third round pick that you got from filling some future other pick. That's that's not a bad trade at all, and probably for Antonio Brown. And you're probably gonna have a lot of friends crying that that Lions just got taken. So, I, I mean, so you're just like throwing stuff out there at it. You know, it's, all, it's probably gonna be higher. Really? I mean, I mean yes, really, Grifka, because. This guy is going to get a lot of buzz. Everybody knows they have to move him. Like, I don't see him going for, like, a third or a, a low second. I mean, like I said, best-case scenario, it would probably be, like, the top ten in the second with some extra cheese on the side to get it done. And that's, like, that's a deal where most people that don't dig into all the details are going to say, hey, we only gave up a second and a little something else. Good trade. I'm trying to break it down for you and say, like, let's just think about all these other factors rather than say he's a good receiver, he'll help our receiver, he'll score some touchdowns, and the fans would like him. Because that's what's going to get you uh, a bunch more L's, in my opinion. Okay. But, so, I mean, like you said, the question, the question you posed was if it puts you over the top, you know, can put you over the hump. And in this division, yes, it can. I mean, that's okay. that's what you asked. That's what I answered. Okay, well, that's where we will button it up because I don't agree. I don't think that just adding Antonio Brown and giving up those type of resources gets you over the hump. I think it makes you more exciting. I think it makes your receivers better. But I don't think he's this missing link, um, especially if the price is high, to go get him. So, again, me again, trying to look long-term, trying to be financially uh, responsible there. Uh, I don't think so. You do think so. That's where we'll differ. Uh, be curious to see. I mean, this is not something I don't think 
has a chance. Like I think it has a legs. It's been growing legs each and every day. Antonio Brown is going to come out with some interview I heard. I mean, this thing could escalate quickly heading into free agency. And, you know, I could see Bobby Quinn uh, considering it, maybe trying to figure out all the details and maybe doing it. But um, if I'm him, as much as I like number 84 and uh, and bringing him to Detroit, I, I'd have to probably pass on it. Okay. Well, let's do this. Um, I have, I have a trade proposal for you I was reading through and you probably read the same thing at some point I just want to get your take on it because the way it was written it sounded like yeah this doesn't sound like that bad of an idea now uh, you know it's one of the one of our ones that we've talked about you know the Matt Stafford you know trade should we trade him we all know the cap hit and stuff like that but still this is what I read it was one of those you know Matt Stafford and what was it it was like that third round pick we trade that to Denver for Von Miller, some low pick, and Case Keenum. Because the thought process was because Matt Matt Patricia in his offense, he doesn't he's not looking to sling the ball around the field, you know, more of a ball control. Somebody kind of more sounds like a game manager. And so Case Keenum could handle that. And Von Miller has fallen out of favor with John Elway. I mean, I don't know if you've read any of those things where actually Von Miller's mother's tweeting against John Elway. You know, so uh but Von Miller on this defense, he's one of those guys, Cleo Mack, Cleo Mack esque, you know, that can be a real game changer. And I and I read that trade, and I'm like, you know, like you said, the cap hit stuff like that. But what would you think on face value? What would you think about that trade? Oh man, I mean, I'm glad you pitched it to me, Grifka. But this is such an easy one for me. I mean, there's there's no way, like, uh, you know, I've already laid out all the reasons to me. I mean, if I had to choose between the two, personally, I'd rather have Antonio Brown than I would Von Miller if I got a pick. I really don't want either one, you know, for the most part. Von Miller's, again, backside of his career. He has been a good pass rusher, but he's kind of a crazy uh, coon to a different character. I mean, I don't see him fitting in a Matt Patricia three, four heavy front type set. He's more of a uh, three, four edge rush that just does finesse and speed. He has been great. Don't get me wrong. A strip sack, you know, would help this football team. But again, he makes a ton of money. I want to say like 18 mil. Um, There's no way I want Case Keenum at all, ever (laughs) on any team. And, uh, and like you say, and giving up some type of resource or getting, I mean, no, like, no, and we'll get into it when we kind of look back on the season and do some other side projects, this, but the first few games I went back and watched again, I mean, I think everybody got so down on Matt Stafford, but the few games I watched, his overall mechanics were good. I looked and said, hey, this guy with his playmakers back in year two of the system and all this stuff with a new coordinator, like, I'm going all in on Matt Stafford again here in 2019 and, and seeing what comes of it. So, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't I would even listen to this offer. I'd probably hang up by the time they got through. Uh, well, we'd like to give you case click, you know, and I wouldn't even hear the Von Miller part because I'd hang up so quick. So, absolutely not. Well, I'm with you on that. I've, you know, read the same thing. And I was like, and I was like you know, the same thing as you. I mean, yeah, Von Von Miller would be a name, and it would bring a little more buzz to the defense. And you know, he uh, 
you know, we all seen those ESPN commercials, you know, talking about how he raises chickens in a chicken coop and stuff like that. So, and, you know, he seems like quite a character and he still, you know, he probably still has a little tread on his tires. But like you said, once I said Case Keenum would be the quarterback thrown back at you, it'd just be like, yeah, you know, but then it was like, oh, then you could draft a quarterback of the future. But there really isn't, I mean, any quarterbacks that in the first round that I'd like that I would expect to take over for this team. But, uh, yeah, right there with you. Once I started to say the word case, I'd be like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but it, I mean, it's interesting stuff kind of bounces around. I mean, we wanted to spend some time today on the Kool-Aid cast talking about news and notes, all these different things we're hearing. So I want to do one more and we can be Sort of quick, but I think this deserves some discussion, Grifka, and then I really want to get into this new Lions have a new offensive coordinator. I know this is something we were waiting on. There's lots of talk about it. Um, it's an interesting name, and it's also one that we definitely have to break down. But before we get to that, like I want to throw one more name at you, Grifka. And I heard Valeni talk about it. I heard a few other groups. I mean, this guy's name's been being bantered around. I think I know what you're going to say and why you're going to say it, but I want to throw it out there. Kareem Hunt, Grifka, jettison from the Chiefs for uh, things that none of us would dignify about kind of uh, the things that were on video and whatnot. But um, what do you think when you hear that name and think about pairing him up with on Johnson, pounding the football they both can catch in the past game? I mean, is this something you'd consider? Or he's just an absolute no for you. I think for what he's done in the league, and, I mean, yeah, he had some great stats, but that video, I mean, it's just like Detroit is, you know, you know I mean, you've heard me talk about how I feel. Like Detroit can be the laughing stock, but the jokes get no respect. I think this would just even put more of a bad light on this team if they were to even think about bringing this guy in. I know, like, I hear, like, Michael Roberts, oh, I want him to get a second chance, but, I mean, I think there's some lines you don't cross. You know, even, you know, that stuff can be even just if it's not even on video. And this was on video. I mean, it's like, I mean, it, it, there's no explaining it. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. And if it was one of those things where he signed with somebody in division and, you know, came back to bite us, I would still be like, sorry. You know, I mean, I, I still wouldn't want him. All right. Well, interesting. Well, here, here's my quick take on it. So again, I don't. Um you know, forgive or I don't accept the type of things he did. But again, it was on video, but I don't remember seeing in the video really any like aggressive strike. No, let me be careful with this. Cause I don't want it to sound like I'm, what I'm trying to say is sort of like, there's been lots of players recently that have done worse in my opinion and are playing my boy uh, on the field. Joe Mixon did a lot worse and he basically didn't get any games really suspended. He hasn't had any issues since. Kind of big mistake. We've all made big mistakes in our life. Not condoning it, but just saying. So I feel like Kareem Hunt made a mistake, and his second biggest mistake was he was totally not honest with his team. You know, pulled the wool. I think that's more worrisome, too, than even some of the just general video footage where he wasn't doing anything that was um, a big issue. Um, but I think the lying to the team and where's his character at something you consider, but I know this guy's going to get a second chance with the team and I got to do this real quick, Griff. Cause so, um, 
shout out to the big Hughes. Me and him were talking about this, and I don't think he'll care that I'm saying this on the podcast, but I want to say it anyway. Shout out to the big Hughes. Him and his wife this last week uh, brought twins into the world. He's got a boy and a girl now. He's he is not sleeping a wink. But uh, Big Hughes, hopefully you listen to this podcast. It's super cool. Uh, He's telling me he's got a quarterback there in his hands. But if anybody knows the Big Hughes, I told him uh, he's going to have somebody in the trenches, hopefully for the Lions in probably, what, uh, (laughs) 2040-ish, 2038, something like that. So, um, you know, shout out to him. But me and him were talking about this, and he was against it. And his first thing was, you know, I don't see it happening with Martha Ford at the helm. And I said, like, I totally see that, and that's the easy answer, and I think that that's why it won't happen, but that's part of our issue is that, yeah, like it wouldn't look great on the surface for PR, but all these other teams take calculated risks at some point, and if they can get them to pay off, those are usually the teams that can get over the hump. So I don't see Martha doing it or allowing it, but this guy just made one – mistake didn't like physically strike someone with a fist per se and doesn't really have any other record well he has some other fights but nothing else that's terrible you can get him for dirt cheap i mean he's just looking for an opportunity at this point and having that two-headed monster at running back would be something crazy so i know some people are going to have a really negative thought one way or the other but i'm just saying you know it's a name that has to be sort of considered and uh Whatever way you fall on it is where you fall on it, but don't turn a blind eye to it. So, Grifko, we talked about Antonio Brown. You've thrown out a ridiculous trade of Case Keenum and Von Miller to Detroit, and we also um, chatted about the name Kareem Hunt. Would he possibly be able to come to Detroit and be a part of this run game, or is he just totally off our radar? So, now that we've talked about all that, I mean, some interesting stuff, but... We know the Lions don't have a history of making those splash, making those moves that get talked about in sports radio. But one thing that just came across sports radio, Griff, is the new offensive coordinator for the Lions, a name that was on nobody's radar. But to me, an interesting name, Daryl Bevel, the new offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Griffka, what was your first reaction? And now that it's been out there for a few hours, like, what are you thinking about this? Uh, my first reaction was I was uh... – Almost happy he didn't go with one of his uh, New England Patriot cronies. I was uh, that was always the big rumor. It hasn't happened yet because he was waiting for the Patriots to be out of the playoffs, so or he could hire you know either the quarterbacks coach there or some offensive line coach or whatever. When you know somebody you know he used to work with in New England, I, w- I was happy about that. Um, second of all, I was uh, you know I was was happy with that as well. And from what it sounds like. Bevel fits the type of offense. He's going to run the type of offense Patricia wants to uh, wants to run. And uh, Bevel had, I think, was back looking at it right after I heard he had some of he had some of the top offenses, you know, run, running the ball wise when he was out in Seattle. Um, then naturally, you know, you start reading all like the Debbie Downer stuff, like, oh, he had that one call in the Super Bowl. How come they didn't hand the ball to Marshawn? You know, this like, come on already, give me give me a break. But uh, he um he had some high scoring, high rushing offenses out in Seattle, and um I'm just hoping he can really bring that to Detroit, especially with uh you know having Carryon Johnson. I mean Matt Stafford's still good enough where defensives has to uh, respect that where they have to you know they just can't stack the box. You know Stafford can beat you with his arm, so uh, I, I was happy that 
it's the guy's going to fit his mold. I just hope he doesn't run, you know, like I said, Patricia wants to run like, you know, ball control, but it's not like one of those 1980s ball control games, you know, run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt. That uh, it does bring a little something, a little dynamic to it where, um, you know, they run the ball well, but uh, they also pass the ball enough to uh, keep defenses honest and they can pass the ball to set up the set up the run game. So um, um, that's what I'm hoping he does. I'm just not quite for sure. But looking at what he's done in Seattle in the past, I think it's a really good hire. OK, um, hmm. It's one of those ones where I, I'm almost trying to think back because I have these thoughts of, like, Daryl Bevel being a an interesting type coordinator, meaning, like, that he loves to play smash mouth and he's had good running backs. But I feel like he always had that nice play-action game. He had some rollout. He had some – just some of that basic stuff, but it was tricky basic, you know what I mean, where it was just kind of like – wasn't rocket science, but it was good – good run play action type football. So I remember that about him. Like I said, he had Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch. So he was able to run the ball quite well for a good majority of his time. Now I do remember on the back end, I felt like the people got sick of him. He wasn't creative enough. He kind of got ran out of town there in Seattle at the end. And he's taken a year off football. Now does that mean he want to get away? Does that mean nobody want anything to do with him? You know, those are the type of questions you'll hear out in the media. So I'm just curious who we're getting. I mean, I feel like remembering him a little bit, like his temperament seems like something that fits Stafford. And I don't know if I'm happy about that or annoyed because another guy that's not that fiery from what I remember, just kind of a go along and get along. I don't know that he's going to be, you know, really mentally and just verbally pushing Stafford to be better. I don't know if this offense would fit Stafford better if it was more run heavy play action boot type stuff. But I do also remember, tell me if I'm wrong here. Didn't Daryl Bevel have like some good years in both Minnesota. And even when he first got to Seattle where he was being talked about as like head coach type material or kind of a, I think he had a few years like that where he was sort of a name that was out there and, you know, never really got the opportunity, but, and then, like I said, it sort of went downhill. I really don't peg the Super Bowl play call on him. I mean, I think it's been documented where Pete Carroll said that was his call. And, you know, obviously uh, Russell Wilson could have read it differently or checked out of it or whatever it may be. So you can't put that all on the guy and say, well, I'll look at this one play. I mean, he got him to two Super Bowls. They won one Super Bowl. And this is all when Russell Wilson was new and they didn't have any weapons on the outside really other than a a younger Doug Baldwin, a player here or there on the outside. You know, they were just smashing it up there and making plays, being productive on offense without a ton of craziness. So, I mean, you said great hire. You you really seem to like it. I need to sort of digest it a little bit more. But other than him coming out of the woodwork and being out of football, when I heard the name, I was kind of like, hey, man, that guy was productive in a couple different places. He has a Super Bowl ring, and he's had a year off. Maybe he – you know, was uh, getting retuned and, and ready for a new job. So uh, I felt okay with it, to be honest. Okay to 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 good, but I want to I want to table it and sort of look into it a little bit more. Yeah, I think um, I just want to start with like you said that you know we kind of you know maybe got ran out of Seattle, but he wasn't innovative enough. I think part of that was to was that offensive line 
I mean, when he was smash mouthing up in Minnesota and he was smash mouthing early with Marshawn Lynch, they had a they just had really good offensive lines mm-hmm. that were able to you know make holes, push people around. Those last couple of years, that offensive line really went downhill. So what he was trying to do, you know, wasn't working. That offensive line wasn't moving anybody. I mean, so I think that's one was always not innovative enough. Well, you're not innovative enough. You can't put you know Russell Wilson just going to back there. He can scramble, but. I mean, we've seen the games where the offensive line wasn't that great, and uh, they weren't that not that great. That uh, they had to, they had to, you know, Russell Wilson was kind of like running for his life. So I think that you know that could have been one of those things like, oh, he just wasn't innovative enough. Well, I mean, if they're trying to build, you know, the same kind of smash mouth thing here, and you know, get the offensive line that can move people around, where Matt Stafford isn't always, you know, running for his life, you know, picking himself off the dirt. I I, I think it's a really good hire. Now, like you said, when, up in Minnesota, was he that name? I, I think he was always kind of mentioned in that hot young coaches, you know, one of those things. But I, I don't, I can't remember if he really ever interviewed for jobs either. So I don't know if he just like just an interview well, or yeah, or if somebody's like, okay, we're going to go with like this hot young guy instead. But uh, it, it might have been one of those things. It seems like the hot young coaches have like a year or two to strike while the iron's hot, and then. After that, they just kind of like they're forgot about because the next new guy and the new innovative guys out there. So it seems like like nowadays, like if if you even like you know spoke one word to you know Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, you know owners and you know coaches want to talk to you to uh, try to bring you in to be their either head coach or offense coordinator. So I think that's kind of what happened with him when he was up in Minnesota because those Minnesota teams were, were good too. But um, I don't know, just like I said, either I, – I don't remember if he, like I said, he interviewed for head coaching jobs or not. But he just – I don't know, maybe he just missed his window. But I think that was, you know, back to like what I first said, I think the reason what happened in Seattle is like that offensive line was just utterly horrible. And when people are like, well, he's not innovative. Well, it's what he does, and it worked fine when he had Marshawn Lynch running over people. But he just doesn't have the offensive line to uh, push people around and open up holes and you know for anybody else. Yeah, uh, real quick on some of the things you talked about. So for me, too, he, uh, he's not like a young coordinator by any means, but I don't feel he's, you know, this old curmudgeon like we joke about with Mother Goose that's, you know, just there to be there and, you know, been in the football for, you know, 30-plus years. Like, he's still got to be in, like, his mid to late 40s, something like that, I would have to guess. And, um, you know, I, the offensive line is a good point. I mean, I think – okay, yeah, maybe towards the end he wasn't creative, but let's go back the past nine years before that where obviously he was doing something good because, you know, the Vikings were always, uh, you know, doing some things. They had some explosive offense back in the day, and he's just a guy that you talked about, will Matt Stafford be better? Like, if they want to – if they think they have a thoroughbred and carry on and they think they can get this offensive line together, whatever it may be, you know, TJ back or – Maybe it's a better fit for guys like Rick Wagner and whatnot. Like, as much as we love seeing Stafford throw around the yard, I mean, I do think that a good run game and a better O line and just less less opportunities can be good if they do what we said, which is it's kind of fun to chuck the ball down the field if you're grinding people out. You know, don't grind them out and throw bubble screens. But you ever watch a Seattle game recently, Grifka? I know Bevel's not there, but I mean, remember them even in their Super Bowl era? They'd pound you, pound you, pound you, and then when they threw it, man, they'd throw it. 
I think we got into a half argument about that where you didn't believe me that Russell Wilson, when he throws it, he just chucks it down the field. But like Tyler Lockett has these ridiculous stats where he has like 60 or 70 catches on the year, but he has 10 plus touchdowns and some ridiculous average of like 20 some yards a catch because every time it's a deep ball off play action. So, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, hopefully if he fits and gets along with Stafford, he can also find a way to push him. Hopefully the offense fits Stafford and uh, hey man, if they're putting an emphasis on on thirty three in the backfield and maybe adding another piece to to grind people, talk to me about this. Do you think that's a bad move when everybody says the NFL is going to a passing league and everybody's souping up with all these high end twenty million dollar receivers, <clears throat> Griska, or do you think it's it's a decent move by Matt Pat to say all right? I can get this defense together when nobody in the league feels like they can play defense. I already proved that I can take a a scrap heap type D and make up a top 10, add a few blue chippers. Maybe I can move that to a top eight, top five. And instead of throwing it all around the yard, what if we just grind you out like Seattle did this year and just play smash mouth, throw it deep, um, get creative where people can't predict us and win ball games that way. I mean, it can get you to the playoffs. And once you're in the dance, you can go. So, Talk to me real quick about that. Like, can the opposite approach work in today's NFL if you're calling it opposite? Yeah, I mean, I believe it can. Like you said, a lot of teams are – or a lot of defenses are going to have to scheme for that uh, happy offense. And uh, even now it's like you, you start to hear things with, like, the college quarterbacks that they're, like, the more dual threat guys, you know, with uh, – the running quarterbacks where you really got to watch those guys and people get enamored with them in college and think that they'll be great in the pros, which I'm still a big debater on that because I think defenses are more apt to be able to shut down a running quarterback than, uh, than a high potent, you know, pass the ball around uh defense. But uh, yeah, I think switching it up that way, um, as long as it uh, is innovative enough, like you said, pound, 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 and then, you know, drop the hammer and, you know, you know, bring the gusto and go for it. You're not, you know, dumping out, like you said, okay, it's a, you know, third and seven, you're throwing a five yard flat pass, hoping the guy gets the last two yards or, you know, the same, oh, okay, well, it's second and nine, let's run the draw play or just a bubble screen, you know, something, you know, you're innovative enough to like get that you're not behind the chains all the time. So as long as you're not, like I said, playing 70s, early 80s football, where it's just like, okay, run, you know, run it up the middle, run it up the middle, run it up the middle. You're not making defenses move do that. You're not, you're not shifting things. So, yeah, as long as it's, I think it can be very, very successful, especially in the the division that they're in. You know, if um, they have to go to Green Bay, Chicago late in the year where the weather can be bad and, you know, really windy, that um, they can run the ball and sustain drives that way as opposed to, you know, needing to put up 45 points to win games 45-38, you know, trying to do that late in the year. And outdoor games is not the easiest thing to do. So uh, if you're switching it up, and uh, defense has always got to constantly, you know, have to uh, worry about spread offenses or three wides all the time. And then all of a sudden they come back to it. It's like, okay, this can, this team runs the ball a lot because when you're playing pass, happy, pass, happy offenses, you're pinning your ears back more. You're not doing, you're not doing near as much uh, reading react as a, you know, depending on what your linebackers have to do. So uh, I believe it can work, but as long as it's innovative enough, to keep defenses on their heels. Um, I I believe it can work in this league. Yeah, good stuff, man. So for me to to kind of finish up here and 
on this topic, like to me, as long as Matt Pat again, Bob Quinn said this was a Matt Pat hire. If Matt Pat's behind it, if this was his guy, you know, if they can work well together, and if he thinks he can help this offense, you know, until proven otherwise, I'm going to go with that. Secondly, like kind of having a retro-ish team is probably either going to be really awesome or really terrible. And I'm hoping that it's really awesome because if we had a throwback team that was hard-nosed, that could run the football, could chuck it deep, could play some tough defense and really win games different than other teams in the NFL, I think Trey would love that. So that's probably either going to happen and we're going to love it or it's just going to be like, man, we were behind the times with that hire and, and need to think forward and need a, a new staff. But I think this could and will work because they can work well together. Uh, Bevel has some famer- familiarity in the division. And uh, like I say, I mean, we got to see how it plays out. But, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been a flashier name. But I was okay when I saw it. I want to see kind of the interviews, the things that come out about him. But for now, again, I'm going to go with you, but a little bit more tempered that I'm glad they picked someone. It's an interesting different name doesn't mean it's bad and uh playing a different style of football i think can still work in today's nfl so that's my take you got anything else on it before we shut this down no i I think i've said my piece all right yeah good stuff man so everybody out there all the detroit kool-aid drinkers what we wanted to do today was we wanted to kind of do a different show once the um you know news about the oc came out it was fun off the top, sort of talk uh, Antonio Brown to the Lions. You know, could some of these other playmakers make sense in a trade with the Lions or would me or Griff could even consider a guy like Kareem Hunt who's out on the street there? Uh, could you ever see him coming here? And then just talk. So I had a good time on the show today. I think uh, we'll just give the people a heads up that, me and Griffith talked a little bit about it. Our tentative plan is uh, for next week, we want to kind of rewind the clock and uh, go back to those games in 2018 and, and rewatch them. We're going to use NFL Rewind and kind of rewatch those games in the 30-minute version. So kind of uh, take some notes, talk about the highlights, all that kind of stuff. Our goal is maybe to do two games per show so we get done with the season and maybe a a few weeks there before we get too close to free agency draft all that good stuff we're gonna have all that stuff covered for you so that's kind of our plan now we've even been kicking around you know some some guests some different people coming on the show as well as uh, maybe down the road i'd even like to do a watch along or me and griff could you know pull up a game or pull up something lions uh, on real time and talk about it on the show here so we got some different things going um we're just real excited that uh we're in the off season here there's going to be lots happening and just fun to always talk lions each and every week with you guys so um i usually just when i ask grifka if he has anything else i think I no man just uh grifka, you got anything else for the people focusing on free agency in the draft man figuring out what this team needs Well, we got to uh, rewind that clock first and kind of look back at what happened. But, yeah, we'll be on all that type of stuff. It's been a fun show, Grifka. We're looking forward to it. Uh, thank everybody for listening. We encourage you to rate us on iTunes. That really helps us out a lot. Sharing this with a friend is always super helpful. And uh, we're just going to keep this thing going. We have a ton of fun on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. So, for me and for Grifka, we're going to get out of here for this week. 
Um, we'll check you guys all again on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. Back to back, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.